This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Support for the Happy Hour comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So, hi, Dave here. I'm not running this ad with uh, Beth or Veronica for reasons that you're about to figure out. So, here we go. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Their lawnmower, <laughs> 2.0, has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag anything down there. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice, down there and keep in mind to not use the same trimmer on your face lads get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code bigheads at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code bigheads What did you Twitter, do all Well, Twitter day? was just idiotic today. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, my God. Every I, time I looked in, everybody oh. was being an idiot. Oh, my God. I was... Okay. Okay. So, Saturday, I wasn't happy. No. But Sunday, I forgot Nobody about everything. Happy. Every everything, yeah. Everything was bad. Everything was bad. And everything has continued to be bad <laughs> up until today. Because not only did the Habs have a bad day, but Michael Babcock had a bad day. Oh, or rather, yeah. a bab day. Bottom. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, great. So, great. um, so exciting. Without further ado, right? So, yeah. Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. one. The world is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Hello, listeners. My name is David Auger, and I'm at MetalGage01 on Twitter.com, and I am joined, as always, by Beth. Hello. I'm at H-I-V-E-R-H-U-I-T on Twitter. And Veronica. Yeah, I am <laughs> at C-H-I-L-E underscore Pepper on Twitter. And we are the Happy Hour at HappyHour on Twitter.com, and... Um, it goes without saying that, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that many, uh, of our listeners are wondering what is going on. The season is not quite as young as it was a week ago, and believe us when we think that, <laughs> and when we say that a week ago, wow, it was all, it was a different tone to the season. <laughs> it's amazing what six, seven days and two, three, four games in particular can do to that. So, to help us navigate these uh, treacherous waters, we have ourselves a guest. Um, a um, He is part of uh, RDS in uh, Canada, specifically French Canada, and we have ourselves tonight, Francois Gagnon. Sir, please, introduce yourself. Say hi. Hello, how are you tonight? Doing, oh, doing great. Doing very great. well, very well. You well, everything is fine. It's oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah, we Excellent. can we can hear you just fine. And magnifique, as they say, I suppose. <laughs> At least I try. So, Francois, um, this is uh, we we were hoping to have you on during a happier time, but boy, <laughs> did things uh, take a take a downward turn after the uh, Washington Capitals game. 
because after that, uh, what did we have there? Uh, we had the game against Columbus. Uh, the Habs didn't quite show up, and that was last week. Uh, we had the game against Ottawa. Many thought, hey, Ottawa Senators are a struggling team. Habs can uh, capitalize on that. Overtime loss, not great, but not terrible. And then, of course, Saturday night. And uh, holy cow, that was something. <laughs> uh, Francois, your thoughts on Saturday? Uh, you know, it reminded me what happened a few years ago one night that uh, the Rangers were up there with a com comfortable lead and everybody was leaving the Bell Center because they never expected the Habs to come back. And that was the return of the century uh, <laughs> when the, the Canadians came back from that huge deficit and were able to uh, win against the, uh, the Rangers. So I believe it was like... Uh, um, a vengeance night for the blue shirt is that type of situation but it showed and I, I was listening to your intro there uh, that, and you're right I mean from one night to the other in this league now uh, you can go from a cup contender to um, you know a lottery uh, team that expecting the first pick overall and especially this year with Alexis Lafreniere that's going to come in oh, buddy. that's going to be an excitement there but uh, uh, let's talk about the Canadians from now and the Canadians that everybody want to see in the playoff and not in the uh, uh, in the, uh, uh, the lottery. Uh, yeah, lottery. Yeah, that's for sure. So it, it was it was a bad night. And at some point, you just could feel that something bad was happening and that the worst would happen. And obviously, the worst happened because they were not even able to get a point out of that mess. For sure. Yeah. And um, just to add on to uh, the, the previous um, comeback that the Habs mounted against uh, the Blue Shirts, I think that was back in 2008, and the game went to a shootout with Saku Koivu netting the winner in that. Ironically enough, Saku Koivu's birthday was Saturday night. A lot of weird, <laughs> a lot of weird coincidences. That, that that I didn't knew that. Uh, more food for thoughts over what happened. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people don't think that, you know, things come back and bite them. But I was thinking about that comeback. I'm like, it can't happen. And, oh, there it was. So, yeah, it just got bit, I suppose, there. Um, I was listening to, uh, of course, uh, the radio and everything, especially this morning. And on the morning show, uh, Bob McKenzie was asked, you know, his thoughts as well. And he mentioned that, you know, you can look at the micro of it, the, the small picture, and just say the game against the Rangers, uh, travesty almost. It was just heartbreaking, lost uh, more so. But the other aspect that he wanted to shine a light on was the overall picture, and he's talking about the trend. Ever since Drouin and Byron uh, went down, yeah. uh, the Habs haven't been able to pick up uh, the loss of manpower. What do you think? Well, it, it's uh, it shows that uh, you know Marc Bergevin and all the uh, uh, the other folks there at the uh, seventh floor of the Bell Center uh, uh, were saying when Drouin and Byron get down, got down with injuries, that you know they had depth and that that, that depth would help them go through this. Now, you know. The Pittsburgh Penguins can play without Sidney Crosby. They showed it. They just won in overtime against Calgary tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, the St. Louis Blues are still a good team, even though Vladimir um, Tarasenko is not available. And that's the reason why they won the Stanley Cup, because they are a strong team. Now, as for the Canadians, unless 
unless you thought that that team was a cup contender, it needs for the Canadians to make the playoff everybody available playing well. Not being a passenger, but playing well, just like they did last year when so many guys had the career season. So you, you need everybody playing at the top level of their game to make sure that the Canadians will stay in the race. So when you lose two components, and even Byron that was not having a great start of a season, we can all uh, agree on that. But when you lose those two guys, uh, you know, it's one thing to say that you have depth. It's another thing to make sure that that depth will be able to get you through the injuries. And so far, uh, it's, it, it hasn't been the case. So they probably need to think a little bit closer to this situation because they have cat space uh, and they can't afford to go through those two injuries without winning their share of games. And as much as you probably know that, November has to be the easiest quote-unquote month of the Canadians, and December will be atrocious with the number of games, the opponent that it will be facing, and the fact that it will play most of those games on opposing uh, team ice, and that they will play two and two nights and three and five nights And that won't be easy at all. No, that's ex exactly correct. I remember um, when November started, I was thinking, hey, this is the stretch to really make an impact. And, yep. ooh, that is definitely slipping away. And there has to be a, a almost a Heruculean effort uh, to, to try and right the ship. But um, regardless of that, Veronica, I know you had some questions as yeah. well. Yeah, I have a question and I have a comment and I'm – On Saturday, uh, first of all, Francois, so much thank you so much for joining us. This is such a delight for us. Um, but what I wanted to say is on Saturday night, I don't think it was necessarily that they are or aren't contenders and that because they were missing Byron and Drouin that they lost. I thought that they were up for nothing and they uh, believed their own hype a little bit too much and they just took their pedal, pedal off the metal as they say. And I don't, I think that that was more, and me, I've always been um, a defender of their character, but I think that was a bit of a character test. And I think that they, they failed it on Saturday night. I, I don't completely with you on that one. And yeah. the funny thing is that when you look at the first period of that game, uh, yes. Canadians went to the dressing room with a three, nothing lead. Okay. The best goaltender, Uh, uh, on the ice uh, was by far Carey Price at that moment because uh, the goaltender of the Rangers gave up two softy goals, especially the second one of Domi uh, late in the first period. So it changed the, the pace of the game because even though Price was the best goaltender of the two, it's because the Rangers were the best team on the ice at that moment. And they were pushing. Remember the first 90 seconds of that game? It went on in the Montreal Canadian zone. Brady Shea from six, eight, maybe 10 feet tops in the slot, in the middle of the slot, was, was left alone. He fan on his shot. The puck went to the glass instead of finding a corner or forcing Price to make a huge save there. And, and that was the trend. And right after the, the, the face-off that came after those 90 seconds, uh, 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 Max Domi scored the first goal of the Canadians. And then you... You just felt that, you know, okay, the Canadians will have this, a second goal, a third goal, and they felt it would be easy. Mm -hmm. Remember the comments of Claude Julien? 
He said after the game that when he went through the room in the first intermission, he told his players, guys, we, we are lucky it's 3-0. So get forward, play better, because that team is hungry. And mm -hmm. that's what we've seen. Uh, Weber scored a softie. It was 4 nothing, And at that moment, I know that for a fact that I thought it was over. The game was over, but it was not. And that's no. the thing for hockey. Yeah, yeah. it is. For sure, yup, and that's exactly what happens, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> I'm um trying to think too. Uh, so, more to what Mackenzie said this morning about the the big picture about uh, the you know the four game skid. I want to kind of supplement that with something I heard from Mark Denise speaking, of course, uh, also on the morning show this morning as well. He mentioned that the Habs are having trouble with some of those like quote-unquote cardinal rules of hockey uh the number one goalie has to be the number one goalie but in particular and this is something that's been biting them throughout the season these late period goals and it just seems that uh the Habs just don't have their handle on it and I was happy to see you know this morning uh that Claude uh, really uh did a tactical uh practice pretty much attempting to address just uh, their, their, their play in their own zone? You know, in hockey, hockey is a, a, a game of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you don't make any mistakes and both teams don't do anything, the puck stays in the middle and it's yeah. ball. <laughs> but the thing is that when your team is giving goals early on in the period, it means that it's not ready to start the game. When your team is giving goals late in the period, it means that it's already in the dressing room. Now, sometimes you have to give credit to the other team because they do a great job and they are able to do it. But when you look at the big portrait here, uh, the big picture is that uh, maybe the Canadians are taking their pedal off the metal at the end of a period, and that bites them a couple of times this season. They scored many goals early on in a period, which means that they are getting ready because they are involved. In, but, you know, they are sometimes cruising a little bit more. Yeah. I think that a team that has great players on their lineup and that is a strong team that can switch things around in a second can do. Sometimes, not too often. But the Canadians can't afford that luxury, in my mind anyway. So when you look at the game of Saturday, you know, of course, they scored five goals. So you say, oh, the forwards did their job. Well, I'm sorry, that's not true. That's not true because the biggest heart of that team, player-wise, is Brendan Gallagher in my mind. And he was responsible, directly responsible for two goals because he didn't give his 100% on the defensive side of the game. Remember that goal of Panarin? I mean, it's a great pass by Kreider, cross-crease, without even looking, and Panarin is right there. Gallagher just three feet behind, not able to take care of the, the, the puck or his stick, so the puck goes behind Carey Price. So there you have it. Kutkenyemi makes a mistake with that uh, icing at the end of the third period, lose the draw because the coach Julien cannot bring Dano or Thompson on the ice mm -hmm. because uh, the rules don't permit a change. You lose that draw and they score. You see, those little things that happen in that game shows that at 4 nothing, the Canadians thought it was over, and their mindset was not all there for the remainder of that the game. And that's why I was saying earlier that at some point, you felt that this thing was slipping into their hands and that they would get bite and they got bitten. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I feel like this is going to be a good test right now because as much as they failed the test on Saturday, I think that they're, the, uh, the character of this team is intact and we've got a good leader now in Shea Weber in that room. And I find that this is going to be, I have faith that this is going to be a good learning experience and they're not going to let that happen again. Well, you know what? The learning experience has to go to the fans too. Yes. And let me explain this. Because after the game Saturday, everybody was, well, maybe not everybody, but a vast portion of fans, especially the Carey Price haters, were all in his back saying, oh, look at that yeah. $10 million goaltender not able to win a game when his team gave him five goals. I agree that the sixth goal was a bad one. And I agree that at some point, you would expect Carey Price to make one more save in that game. That's normal. But when it's the opposite that happens, when Price is stealing points to the other team, and, and it happened a couple of times this season, mm -hmm. you know, fans look at the game and say, we won. The team is great. Yeah. Boston came in, the, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Remember how bad Tuukka Rest was? <laughs> he gave that game to the Canadians. So everybody felt that it was perfect. We beat the Bruins, one of the best teams in the NHL. We got uh, rid of that first line of Pasternak and Bergeron and Marchand. So here we are. We are strong. But, you know, when the other goaltender is giving you one, two, three goals, maybe four in a game, it seems like the Montreal Canadian fans don't realize that. But they are quick to blame their own goaltender when yes. he's giving one. And it's, it's exactly what happened on, on Saturday. Was Carey Price great? No, he was not. Uh, should, should he have won that game? Yeah. But, you know, in the first period, he made more saves than, uh, than the uh, uh, goaltender of uh, Georgiev, of the goaltender of the Rangers. And even though Georgiev won that game, he was not the best goaltender on the ice that night by far. But, you know... Canadian fans look at their team and only their team. When they win, it's because of them. When they lose, it's because of them. They don't give credit when the other team wins, and sometimes credit is due. And they don't look at the mistakes that the other team makes to give a Canadian a win. And that sometimes gives you a better picture of the reality of the Montreal Canadiens. Very salient. I couldn't have put that better myself. <laughs> and um, and more go. to your point earlier, Francois, too, is about how um, they are going to be having to be at 100% uh, for the rest of the season to make the playoffs and, and to make a difference in the playoffs. But do you, uh, do you, do you think that they're going to be getting any help before the trade deadline if they're buyers? Well, I, I, I think so. Well, yeah. for one, I thought that uh, Marc Bergeron would have moved, up, moved already to give a, a, a stronger left defenseman to his defensive core. I thought it would happen earlier in the season. I thought it would happen in training camp. And it didn't happen yet. And now when you look at the situation, you know, I have to admit that the offensive production of the decor is much better than I yeah. expected. <laughs> and, and when you look at the defensive uh, play, you know, Kale Fleury is a wonderful surprise for me. Uh, you know, he was, for me, the, the rookie that probably would go back to Laval. But now he's the anchor of, on that third pairing. Uh, uh, you know, Riley, Kulak, Folin, if he ever comes back, hmm. they all skate around him. 
because they are the ones who are coming in and going out. He is the key guy on that third pairing. Uh, Victor Mete showed some much better hockey playing with Petrie, and I believe that uh, uh, Ben Charat has been better with Weber on a stronger, rugged, uh, defensive duo with, with Weber than what we've seen early on in the season. So they are able to do the job, but still, in my mind, they need, they need somebody else. And that's where I was looking for, um, uh, you know, to get somebody to help the team. Now, with the injuries, as we talked about earlier, maybe that Marc Bergevin needs to make a move, a more urgent move and a temporary move to make sure that the team won't lose more points in a, in a month that should be easy or easier because there are no easy games in the NHL anymore and make sure that they will be able to cruise towards December without losing too many games and keeping the pace to stay in the race for the playoff. I won't go as far as to tell you that they will stay in the playoff, but they need to stay in the race just the way they did last season. Certainly. Um, so one of the good things that came out of that Rangers game was the epiphany of Domi coming back to center and Suzuki on his wing. And though that whole entire line was all the production that the Habs had, um, Lekkonen finally found his spark, um, you know, decent plays. And uh, yeah, just one of the good things <laughs> that you can get out of uh, what was going on with that so that but that of course brings up another point uh domi on the wing all season practically all season up until this particular game uh it can be said that domi felt uh comfortable playing center all of last season he had great success at that too uh last season for the Habs. super exciting for everybody and the thing is though now that we have suzuki suzuki is uh, a natural center and we're kind of in that point where, um, and it's not a new story, but a bit of a, a wealth of riches when it comes to the young guys. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Domi Suzuki uh, issue, if it's even an issue. Well, I, I, I maybe I would not go as far as to say an issue, but it was there was something there, and and for me it was a question of pride a little bit in in Max Domi's situation. Mm. He knows he's not a real center or a natural center. Uh, he knows that, you know, in a stronger team or a team with a strong center line, he would be moved on the wing. But when you look at the kid who's coming in and playing a lot better than I expected him to play, you know, you look at Domi, who is a young veteran who had the season, a career season last year, and he looks at the kid coming in and taking his spot, and, and I felt he was uncomfortable with that. It, was it a good reason or a bad reason? Mm. I don't even want to go there, but I felt that he felt uncomfortable. And it showed by the way he played on Saturday when he came back in the middle. And I'm convinced that Claude Julien had a chat with him and said, okay, you want to go in the middle? You better give me a good game and give me something. I'm not talking about goals here because they came and that's fine. He had a softy one on the second. A great play by Suzuki on the first one. That's all perfect, but... Claude Julien had to get from that line with Domi as a center a strong game and effort, and that's what he got. So for me, the answer of Domi in that game was a clear indication that, hey, coach, I want to play center, and if you ever get John Tavares, I will move to the wing. <laughs> right now, I don't believe that I should be put aside 
because of Nick Suzuki, maybe in two years, but right now I don't believe it was the situation. Understood. Well, and he produced. He did. He, he was so happy too. And I mean, there's a lot of concern, of course, a lot of hand wringing among Habs fans because I think that there's so much uh, hangover after the experience or the experiment of Alex Galchenyuk in Montreal and, you know, it sort of not wanting Suzuki to play on the wing if he can be a center. I don't think he needs to be a center right now. And I also don't have, when it comes to Nick Suzuki, I have no concerns about that player or his psyche or his confidence or anything like that. He's so smart that whatever position he's playing on the ice, he makes really good decisions. And you can see that he takes his time to make the right decision. He's patient. So I don't have this. I don't share the same concern as other fans have about moving him from center for Max Domi. If Max Domi is producing at center, let him. For the I mean, moment, of course. For the and, moment. And Suzuki gets some gains some experience wherever yeah. he plays. And and one thing is sure is that in 2019, soon to be 2020, it's not like 20, 40, 50 years ago when you had three guys that were skating at the same pace. One was on the left side, one was in the middle, one was on the right side. You know, you're a center because you take a face-off. And how many times now do we see that these sometimes just switch around when the face-off is on the left or the right because they want to maximize their chances to win those face-offs. So, you know, I think it's a way, there were, there's way too much fuss put on the fact that who's playing where in those situations. And as for the comparison to uh, Alex Galchenyuk, he was never a center. No. He, didn't have, he didn't have the hockey sense uh, and, and the patience and the poise and, and the control and the vision to be a center. And Suzuki shows that already. And he's been showing that playing on the wing. That's why yeah. he's a play. That's why he's able to get those great passes around. And he's getting points uh, that other players are not getting. Now, you uh, made reference to the uh, celebrations of Domi a little bit. Oh, and I know yes. I'm going over that. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen any bad comments after the first goal. Everybody was saying, oh, yeah, great. Finally, he scores. And when he got his uh, second one late in the first period, oh, great, he scored and he's, he, he's showing happiness and everything. Now, it looked bad after the game because they lost six lives <laughs> yeah. in a 4 nothing lead. But if you want to nail Max Domi for the celebration, please do it right away. After <laughs> exactly. The and after the third goal, don't wait the next day and say, oh, by the way, What was he thinking about celebrating and giving a chance to the Rangers uh, to get motivated because of that? You know, nobody pointed that out in the first intermission. They just wait for after the game. So, you know, it's easy to find and to look and to find and to dig criticism after a 6-5 loss, especially when the Canadians were up for nothing. But you have to make sure that you're not giving, getting overwhelmed by the defeat and the way they lost and make sure that you don't go overboard with criticism that are maybe not grossly, but at least a bit exaggerated. Yeah, and they're looking for excuses to be angry. Although I didn't know that because as soon as the game was over, I turned off my phone and I left the house. <laughs> <laughs> Turn off you the phone. Want to see. <laughs> 
You were that mad. Well, I just didn't want to. I, the, the thing is that if you're on social media after a game like that, social media will make it 1,000 times worse. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, Francois has no idea. <laughs> price hitters were really, really silent uh, for the last two weeks. But on Saturday, mm -hmm. they were eager to come back and yeah. didn't they ever. And that's, well, that's part of the game. And, and I mean, that's part of my job too. So I have to deal with this situation. But when you look at the numbers, they are certainly not good. When you look at the game and you look at the goal situation, you have to say, okay, the sixth one was bad. Maybe he should have stopped one of the uh, first five. But did he give a bad goal out of those? The answer has to be no, even though it's too many goals. And everybody will agree on that. And Carey Price will be the first one to say that it's true. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. 100%. Now, yeah, they all came out from under their rocks on Saturday night. It was like <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pause here and take a moment to hear from another podcast in the Big Heads Media Network. Are you a tackle football fan? Kick off your day with an episode of Colts Corner. A group of passionate Colts fans discuss the latest news around Indianapolis Colts football. You don't want to miss us. Follow us on Facebook, Colts Corner One, and on Twitter at Colts underscore Corner One, and all major podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Well, some were. Deeply involved in the eggnog, I can tell you. <laughs> hey, it's only a month away, so you got to get started sometime. Well, Thanksgiving is coming in, so and the Canadians <laughs> are in the playoff now, so that could be good. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and even for that, so with all that news uh, that <laughs> had went on Saturday and all the all the fallout, I would have to say, the Habs currently uh, have themselves. Where was my little sheet here? Uh, currently 27 points, which is good enough for third in the Atlantic, despite, you know, the skid. So that's something that, you know, you can, you know, uh, give a bit of a credence to. But, of course, um, a skid like this can't continue. And uh, i seen uh, this morning Claude has, Claude really uh, hankered down on what's going on in the Habs' own zone. Um, the last thing I had on my mind was, man, what is going on with the special teams for the Habs? Um, you know, the power play last year was bad. The power, the penalty kill this year is bad. And it seems that the power play is, is skidding off again. Of course, Byron and Druen are dynamic in both situations, but it seems that not only with power play or penalty kill, there seems to be, they're not together on overtime. They're not together. If there's any chance where there's a man on or off the ice, the Habs just lose what's going on. And, of course, to supplement that, they're one of the best teams at even strength. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense the way it was last <laughs> season. They were not able to score goals when they were playing at five against four. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It shows the, um, the level of uh, vulnerability of the Canadians. Mm. And that's what I meant earlier when I said, you know, you know, great teams can't afford to lose their top player, their top D. They can't afford enough night by their goaltender because they'll be able to find a way to go around that. And Carey Price can be the great equalizer. He didn't do it enough this season. I will agree with his haters. But still, he's able <laughs> to uh, give the team 
that that exact situation. But for the other guys, I mean, Shea Weber was not there last season at the start. All the goals and the points that he's giving to the team now are bonuses. But when you compare the team where it is now as, as where it was last season, they are not that far ahead. So it shows that, you know, everything, in, when you look at all the situations, even though they are really great things to report on the Canadian side so far this season, they are not that much stronger. And when you look at the standings, and you won't like this, but I would invite you to look behind a little bit. <laughs> no. assure you that Toronto and Tampa at some point <laughs> won't be out of the playoff race. We all see what, what is happening in Toronto and the players there, some are relieved that, uh, that Mike Babcock have been relieved and, 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 and that will give them a chance to, can I say blossom on the ice? And Tampa Bay, for me, still has to be one of the top five teams in the NHL. So I can't understand why they are having that much of a tough early go in the season. But at some point, they will find their cruising speed. And it will be a speed that will be higher than the Canadian one. So that's the reason why they can't afford to lose games now. And they need to be uh, very much involved in the race for December and the months beyond because we can't say it enough. When you lose points the way they did Saturday or the way they did in the three other games, even though they got points against uh, the Devils and the Senators, it's going to hurt you and it's going to bite you at some point. <clears throat> we don't want to look back on these games and be filled with regret. Right. So right. I'm trying to think now. Now, Beth, <laughs> you've been quite <laughs> yeah. quiet. Do you have anything to ask or anything to say even? Um, <laughs> no. <I'm good>. <laughs> <laughs> I have a special question for you, Francois. Yes. I would like to take you back to June 2016. Hmm. I will never forget the day after P.K. Subban got traded, you were on TSN 690 on the morning show and providing sort of your opinion about the trade and, and you know, you spoke very highly of Shea Weber and kind of talked about how P.K. Subban's time had come to an end at Montreal. But one thing that you mentioned was, who is going to win the trade? And you said, whoever wins the Stanley Cup first. And now... You And you had thought that the Predators' chances were a lot more likely than the Montreal Canadiens. But yeah. now that PK's been moved again, now who wins the trade? <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> well, I think that because of the way things happen, we already know who won the trade. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's no offense to PK in this situation, but... No. You know, that trade was a great move by David Poyle. You know, he had Shea Weber was costing him a lot of money. He had a, a $10 million bonus or $7 million bonus to give him on July the 1st. So, you know, the Predators are in the NHL, but they are not 
you know, as rich as the Toronto Maple Leaf or the Boston Bruins or the Montreal Canadiens. So he saved a lot of money in that trade, got P.K. Subban, who was on the rise and who's still a great defenseman. But I thought that Weber was better at that time. And we knew that at some point, just because of the question of the age, P.K. would get stronger and better than than Weber because Weber would go uh, surely, but as slowly as possible for the Canadians towards the, the retreat. Now, David Poyle saw what P.K. Subban gave to his team, and he gave some good hockey, but he realized that, hey, my best defenseman is still Roman Yossi. Yeah. So I won't be able to give the kind of money that Subban is making to Subban and Yossi. So he got rid of his contract. If the Devils, or not the Devils, I'm sorry, but the Predators would have felt that Subban was the guy around whom they want to build their team and get to the Stanley Cup, they would have got rid of Roman Yossi. So that's why I, I believe that right now, because the Canadians still have uh, Weber with them, he's the captain, he's playing. Did he slow a little bit? So he's getting slower? Of course he is, but he's still a beast on defense and he still has a rocket shot. So right now you have to say that the Canadians won that trade uh, 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 because the Subban experience in Nashville has came and gone. That's right. <laughs> the end. Thank you, okay. Veronica. Thank you. You did your homework. <laughs> in this yes, one. Thank you. I, I can assure you that if you put PK fans, oh and, God. Well, you know we, I will get some uh, uh, comments that will go on the complete opposite of what I said, and I, I can I can understand that. He's, he's, he's a real superstar. Yes. What that means. I mean, he's not a bad hockey player by all means. He's a, he's a really good defenseman. I believe that his game faded a little bit uh, in the last two seasons. And, uh, and now he's not as well protected as he was in Nashville with all that defensive core and that defensive talent of that team, which has to be one of the best in the NHL even though it's not showing so far this season. But, you know, PK, especially in a market like the New York area or the Toronto area, or God forbid, if he ever gets to L.A., oh my I mean, God. It, 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 he's going to be bigger than life. And <laughs> great for him because he has that value and virtue of being able to live in the stardom and bring the spotlights to him whatever happens on the ice. And, and that's a great quality for him. Does that make him, does that makes him a better hockey player than Shea Weber? Maybe in two years, but right now I don't believe he is. No. And Shea Weber's four years older and that was the biggest knock on him. That was, that's the only knock people have these days is, is his age because his performance right now is better than the younger players. Well, yeah. And, and and let's not kid ourselves here. Um, when you look at that trade, P.K. Subban went to a better hockey team than Shea Weber did. Yep. And he went to the Stanley Cup final with those that team. And it's not P.K. who brought the Nashville Predators to the Stanley Cup finals. It is <laughs> the Nashville Predators with P.K. Subban that went there. And, and, and I still believe that if they would add, add Shea Weber uh, still as their captain, instead of having uh, 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 PK with them, 
they, their chance to get to the final against Pittsburgh would have been as good. So, yeah. you know, one player doesn't make that huge of a difference unless it's a goaltender who's, who's stopping everything. And it shows with uh, the Devils this season because they would put all three goaltenders in front of their net and it doesn't seem that they would be able to stop the puck. So that gives the team a bad reputation and bad numbers. And PK is not a, a worse defenseman than he was last season. He's logging great minutes and he's involved in the game. But if the goaltender behind him is not making saves, you know, it doesn't show as much as, you know, the real value of his hockey game. So that's, that's a reality in the NHL. Goaltending is... Not everything, but it's a big part of what's going on in the game. And that's why Carey Price has his contract. <laughs> yes. Yes. That said, he needs, Uh-oh. He needs, no, but you know, I've been <laughs> a defender of Carey Price, but when you're making that kind of money, especially in a cap league where the money is tight and you give that type of money to a guy who's going to be 60 to 65 games in front of their net. So it means that he's going to be on the bench for one quarter of the season. He needs to find a way to be a difference maker on the positive side more often than Kerry has been able to do it so far this season. And I'm not saying that he was bad on Saturday, but he needs to, he needs to, bring the team to another level. He needs to make the difference as much as Weber can make it on the par play, as much as Gallagher is making it around the net on the opponent, uh, of the opponents, and as much as all the other guys are doing it. But because he's making the kind of money he's making, because he has the reputation that he has, because he's one of the top three or five uh, goaltenders in the NHL, he needs to be better than what we've seen so far this season. And I'm sure that he can be. And he will be. Well, I, I was expecting that kind of comment. I won't <laughs> because I don't like to promise things that I can control for it. But I'll let you say that. <laughs> Merci, <you>. Francois. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Well, we've had you on for a good bit of time, 40 minutes uh, already here. Um, we don't want to hold you up all night. And um, just trying to think here. What else has been going on? Um, oh, I suppose we'll, we'll end with this one. Um, so uh, when was it now? Which game was it? I It escapes me. Um, honoring Guy Carboneau, uh Hall of Fame. That was uh, Thursday night or that was Wednesday night. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. And just wanted to say um, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting and uh, playing, oh, quote unquote, playing against uh, Carbo uh, during a, a camp that I attended with uh, La Canadienne earlier this year. And he's an absolute stand up guy, classy as class can be, and a very well deserved um, Hall of Famer for sure. I was just wondering if you had uh, any thoughts on uh, Carbo making it to the Hall. You know what? I, I was happy to see him there. Uh, I, for a long time, debated over the fact that should he be at the Hall of Fame? And it's never easy when you look at the numbers and only the numbers. But uh, was it five, six, or seven years ago? I can't remember exactly. Maybe a little bit more than that. 
every time I go to the Hall of Fame weekend and I go to the press conference where they receive their uh, their ring and we can speak with the uh, you know the the new inductees and at length, I always finish. My last question is always the same: Who do you believe should be in the Hall of Fame and is not there uh, already? And the guy I asked that question was Mike Modano, who was mm -hmm. playing with Calbano with the Dallas Stars. Oh, yeah. And his answer was, you know what? And it took half a second. He said, Guy Calbano. <laughs> he said, I've been a star. I've been scoring goals. I won the Stanley Cup. I had a lot of fame and stardom and the spotlights on me all the time. But I can't believe that I'm getting into the Hall of Fame before that guy. You know, you need to play with that guy to realize how important he is in the team's success. And that doesn't always show up to the fans. So that's why at, from that point on, I was always waiting every, every summer. Is he going to get in? Is he going to get in? I knew that some guys were uh, putting his name on the list and and defending his candidacy for the Hall of Fame. But this year was the good one. And one of the reasons why Bobby Clark for, you know, another Hall of Fame was pushing for him is because he understood the value of Guy Carbonneau. That was beyond the points, the goal score and the assist. It was everything that he did to make sure that three of his team went to the Stanley Cup final and won it. And you can see that a lot of the opposition uh, among the fan base when he was named to the Hall of Fame, they never watched him play. Yeah. They didn't know. But but if you don't watch him play, you can't understand because you're just yeah. looking at numbers. Yeah. But, you know, you know, I am 56 years old. I, I, I was in the heat of the battle between Quebec and Montreal, between the Nordic and the Canadians, mm. when... Peter Stashny and Guy Carbonneau were aiding each other. And, and the word is the word <laughs> that Peter Stashny used on Monday evening on the red carpet when I grabbed him by the arm and I said, please, Mr. Stashny, tell me two things about Carbonneau. And he said, well, he was the worst. He said, I hate him every night, but I hate him because he was that good. Yes. And, and, and he said that he deserved to be there. And Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and, and Pat Lafontaine and Mike Modano and all the guys that would have rather play with him than against him were all saying the same thing. So numbers were not speaking loud in the favor of Guy Carbonneau. But when the great one and when La Merveille and when La, La Magnifique and, and when Peter Stachny and Mark Messier and the list goes on and on and on tells you all that he should have been there for a while. Well, it yeah. probably means that he should have been there for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Well, um, Francois, merci beaucoup. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I think that's everything that we have on our heads. I said everything I wanted to. Veronica, did you say everything you wanted I to? I asked my questions. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Beth didn't have anything, but that's okay. And yeah, I just enjoyed the listening. So, uh, <laughs> I'll be around on Twitter every uh, Montreal game. I'll be there tomorrow night against the Bruins. 
And uh, though I'm not that great to write in English, it's going to be always fun to answer to your questions. And uh, feel free to ask anything. And if I have the answer, I will certainly try to give it to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Okay. Have a good night. Have a good night. Merci. 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 And that was Monsieur Francois Gagnon of uh, oh, RDS. And, that was um, so much fun. He was incredible. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a good man. Yeah. He knows how to how to how to spin it and spin it in the I right direction. I was going to say <laughs> asking Mike Medano who should be in the Hall of Fame if he was going to say Mike Babcock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hold that back. Oh, that's. I I'm not gonna ruin this moment. Oh, that would like have that, that would have went right. We would still be talking to him. <laughs> We'd still be talking. <laughs> oh my lord! What a treat! He's great. Oh wow! Oh, he's so great! Just what a. I knew he would be. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So Habs. Uh, and Habs fans and happy hour listeners, there you go, uh, Francois Gagnon. Uh, if you don't follow yeah. him, he is at Francois Gagnon RDS on Twitter. I believe. I mean, I, everyone follows him. They ought to. Either everybody way, everybody follows him. They yes. have to. They have. We'll give him a shout out either way. And um, yeah, holy cow, we covered a lot. He's at Gagnon Francois. Ah, I changed it up. <laughs> What a guy. It's the other way around. But yeah. if you search for him, you'll find him. Cool. So, Veronica. Yeah. We've been talking a lot. Beth, you do have something to mention that you haven't been able to since uh, Francois was uh, taking up our time. <laughs> taking okay. up our time. Um, <laughs> racing us with his presence. Absolutely. No, no. He is an incredible piece of work. I loved it. He's awesome uh... to talk to. <laughs> So the first thing is um, I went to my first, I'm pretty sure it was peewee hockey game. Um, I'm not sure about <gasps> the levels. Um, but the young gentleman that I went to watch is um, nine. No. So I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that... But he plays with, I think he's, he's eight or nine, but he plays with some kids that are younger too. Wonder... He's the biggest on his team. So he's the veteran. Yes. He's the yes. Shea Weber of he his is the age Shea group. Weber. He is a leader. He's so large. He's oh, so no. large. He's, I mean, compared to the other kids. The boy mogul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is the molehill. <laughs> yes. So, cool. Um, How did that come about? So, my best friend, whom I live with, one of her coworkers, um, her that she is friends with, her son plays, and he is a big fan of my best friend. And so every once in a while, she goes to his games. And um, the night before, she was like, hey, I'm going to this to this hockey game. It's at 8 a.m., but we can go get breakfast um, and then go watch. And it'll be fine. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. And his team colors are yellow and black. So we both wore yellow oh. and black to um, support him. Their, um, their jerseys look a lot like the Penguins jerseys, not the Penguins oh, okay. jerseys. okay. Okay, and then the team better. that they played against is from Virginia Beach, which is about 45 minutes from where we live. And their jerseys looked a lot like the uh, Sabres jerseys, but they're away ones. Um, and so what? how the team, how the game worked was they, um, they had it, they had each team divvied up into two different teams and they each got half the ice. And I think it was two different levels. Like the other side, I think was the next higher level. 
that's what it looks like. Um, but I am not a hundred percent sure. Um, but the other level, they had so many girls on that team. There were like four and all the girls wore pink helmets, which is super cute. And they all had pink tape, um, on their sticks. And one of the girls on that team on the other, on the, on the upper level was a goalie. And then on the team that we were watching, um, there was one little girl, her name was Maggie and she did so well. Like I went up to her afterwards and talked to her. She was so sharp. She was like, who is this strange woman talking to me? And I'm like, you did such a great job. I loved watching you keep up awesome work. And her parents were like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Um, should have told them that you're a uh, host of a hockey <laughs> podcast when they yeah. come out at the end of Montreal. You're a neck. hockey specialist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so the way they did the games was it was two 20-minute periods, and they cha- automatically change lines every two minutes um, with a short halftime, and then they go then do a shootout. So They have two-minute shifts? Mm-hmm. Wow. That yeah. is long. Well, I think... Part they're of not it going is that, at the same speed as. No, they're not oh. going very fast at yeah. all. Yeah, um, yeah. I can make a comparison, but do continue. <laughs> um, but it's pretty long. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure the team that we were watching won, but the score was pretty close. It was always like tied, or somebody was up by one, kind of thing. I don't, um, I don't remember what the final score was, and I don't know how they counted the shootout because I don't think. I think it, I think that ended up the shootout ended up being a tie. Oh, uh huh. Because it just do like one round of shootout, but sure. it, it was, was really a tie. fun. Uh huh, kids. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was really fun. Everybody wins, and we like we like fist bumped a bunch of the kids and stuff, and uh-huh. um and then today my roommate, my best friend, she talked to his name's Gage. I could, I think I can say his name. His name's Gage. And um, she was talking to Gage at work, and he was asking, like, who I was or whatever. Like, who was your friend that came to talk with me and or came to watch me? And she told him um, that I really like hockey and that I have a, a hockey podcast. And he said, whoa, she's famous. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and he, he isn't – he – no, I won't say – he is a Blackhawks fan. Um and I was like, oh, well, tell him I like um, Andrew Shaw a lot. So yes. we, can, we can be buddies about that. Um, but he was he was really cool. And, like, we got to – he scored a few goals, and we got to cheer and beg on the glass for him. And so that was a really fun time. I would never been to a little kid hockey game before, and I loved it. Good. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds great. Awesome. I haven't been to one either because my kids never played. I, too, have not went, went to a little people – hockey game but we know plenty of people that listen to us that have little kids that do yeah. play hockey like um my friend yeah um, that one yeah <clears throat> i'm trying to find his name at dyson sphere yes yeah yeah his his little boyo is a goalie and he's he's just gone and won a tournament and he's at, he's having himself a hell of a year this young That's man awesome. after being cut by his team two years ago so good for him. Yeah. Yay. Stick it to those Yay. bastards. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really, really cool. Excellent. So yeah. our friend Dyson Sphere has had to miss watching the past couple of Saturdays. And he didn't miss anything on this past this Saturday. One. But um, so that he could go and watch his uh, little guy go and win a tournament. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah. That's always fun. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Woo! Woo! So, oh yeah, the comparison I had. So, uh, for the rejects that uh, I play for, um, beer league, adult, you know, people, hockey, we have uh, players ranging from, oh god, 19 to probably 62, give or take. So it's a pretty wide range of people. And we try to yeah, we, we too try to keep our shifts to around a minute or two minutes, depending on the situation and whatnot. So I can see what they do. So they do it automatically two minutes down in that level, you're saying. Beth. Beth. Uh, they had it at two minutes. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Right. But they're going, they're going, they skate really slow. Like they're still, like when they, when they shoot the puck, it's very yeah they're they're fluttering it off a pancake yeah. yeah 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 it's like they're shoving you know eggs across the the, the ice <laughs> true story yeah. i like watching them like when i go to the hockey games here yes in the intermission <gasps> they get to do that oh my that, god, that, oh my god. doing it at a canes game coming up they just get like 40 kids on the ice and say, go for it! Good luck, kids! Have fun! Oh, and speaking of kids, did you see St Sean Campbell's Littles? No. They were playing on the ice, and they were both on the ice at the same time on Saturday, and you got a really cool shot of them. Oh, awesome. And his boy, one of his boys is in goal, and it was just really cool. Hockey's great. Wait, Hockey wait. is great. At the game? Like, the game? At... No, that the their the own game, game. That his little boys were playing. Yeah, ah, their own game. Awesome! A what really his... cool picture. He's um at Sean R. Campbell, S E A N. Now you know Sean there Campbell, the guy that's been on the podcast, Sean Campbell. Yes, I you know, know but our friend Sean Campbell's, and yep. and nobody they but all spell it different. We only interviewed yeah. one. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Don't, oh my god, oh, this me. is really cool. Isn't it cool? Jesus. He That's so, so cute, and they're the only ones so in the sweet? shot. Yes. And it looks like it's older, like from an older. Like old-timey. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great picture. The happy hour told him to frame it. <laughs> Perfect. And he yep. ought because we uh, have good yeah. ideas. <laughs> um, Our ideas are good most of the time. Yeah, you know. Okay, let's see here. Um, we had Francois Daniel. Yeah, we did. Yay. I'm trying to think what else went on. Oh, okay, we should end on this. So there's uh, there's a few things I got. So I, we got an official update on Druen and Byron, like a few days ago at least. Druen, eight weeks minimum for wrist surgery. Uh, Byron, yes. four weeks minimum for his knee. Um, uh, Druen, but is it knee or knee adjacent? I think it is. Knee, I think it is knee adjacent. Because if it was his knee, I'm like, oh, he's out, out. Yeah. But no, this has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he I just. I think this is groinish or yeah. like bikini area. The sort of the yeah the bikini area. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know perfect, what I mean? Perfect way yeah. to put it. No, so, I, 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 I get you. I get you. Um. Okay. No, we talked about that. Talk about that, that, that. Oh, okay. So something I wanted to highlight since I read the I read up on this just before we started recording. Um before the game on Saturday night, um and well let me preface this further. Saturday night uh was the hockey um hockey fights cancer initiative that the NHL yes. does. Um the Habs, of course, wore um purple 
uh, warm-up jerseys. And they also um, had uh, kids uh, that had uh, that are either getting treatment for cancer. They're battling. Mm-hmm. Right. They're currently battling. Uh, joined both the Rangers and the Habs uh, on the ice for the Anthems. Good gestures all around. And there were a couple there was a couple more gestures that the Habs also did on top of that. Um, Veronica, one that I think was sent our way was about uh, the figure skater Alex with an E by at the our end. friend Mark Anya Marcus. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and Mark Anya Marcus. She got to sign <laughs> a one-day contract with the Habs to be one of their skating specialists. <laughs> Could you love it? Imagine. So she got to go um, have a bit of a practice with uh, some of the. Some of the Habs players, uh, notably uh, Weber was there. I believe know Mete as well. Um, and uh, I thought one or two others. But so, uh, uh, Young Girl's Dream, or at least something that's probably really cool for her. She got to do and teach the Habs a few tricks. God damn she it. signed a contract with the Montreal Canadiens. She signed a contract with, with, with Mark Bergevin. of the Montreal Canadiens. Saying, sign and here. And then she skated with them. Sign here. How cool. Very cool. Now, also, which went on was uh, the story of Josh Barre, who was the dapper-looking fellow that introduced the Habs. He did such a good job. He did a good job. He was so passionate. And there was a great article on the Habs website written by uh, Matt uh, Kuzinowski. Yep. Kuzino? Kuzinski? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Matt, good work. Thank you, sir. Um, 18-year-old from uh, Chagay. Ch- oh, geez, Chagay, Quebec. Ah, ha, ha. I, I can't. Chagay. Chagay. Thank you so much. For the okay. locals. Yes, yeah. yes, merci. Um, and yeah, Josh did an incredible job uh, putting that together. But the the whole story, it's such an incredible read. I really, really recommend that people take the time to to check it out. I'll try to get some of the highlights of it. Um. Essentially, uh, Josh, he's a hockey player himself, but he was diagnosed uh, with uh, cancer, which um, well, he was diagnosed with a Burkitt lymphoma, which was the same uh, type of cancer that Sakukoivu was also battling during his time as a Hab. Um, now, but further to that, um, he looked rather sharp. Apparently, Josh's cousin is a stylist, right? So Josh helped him get together an ensemble, a nice-looking suit. And the thing is, is that his cousin also dressed Thomas Plakenik as well. So, some cool little... What do you mean? Like, like... Dressed him. Like, Thomas Plakenik went to him for suits. Right. Yeah. Wow. It was Thomas Plakenik's stylist as well, I guess is the proper way to say that. Yeah. Or his tailor. His tailor, or... His tailor? His dresser. Yeah. Yeah. The actual quote is, he actually dressed Thomas Plakenik in the past. Quote, (laughs) unquote. So, yeah. No, but, again, the initiative by the NHL, it's really great. Um, And, uh, you know, they get to uh, do, uh, you know, these these little gestures for the... for both kids and both uh, people that, you know, have uh, suffered through such a terrible uh, experience. You know, and we talked about this with uh, Brian Mudrick last week, too, um, yeah. about his brother and his own uh, bout with it as well. So, the well, Habs... We're talking about these little heroes. Oh, yes. These kids. Mm-hmm. And 
this this sort of these sort of small gestures and just sort of generosity of spirit and generosity of time these these are the kind of things that it's like a dream come true and 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 a memory for a lifetime and i don't know it's just i i think that almost not enough is made of that sort of all of that sort of feel good thing that happens around um the team and 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 the fans and what they're doing and how they're reaching out and and you know trying to make a difference in that regard and uh, you know obviously uh, making a difference with their donations and their foundations and everything as well i i feel like not enough is made of that and i mean it it i don't know i i would like to see more of it and more made of it because it's just so special and we shouldn't take for granted what a special moment it is for these kids and and what it, how how important it is to be doing that kind of work in the community Absolutely. Set yes. an example for others to follow as well. Yes. Yeah. And um, on that note, thank you to the Habs. Merci to uh, Francois Gagnon. Um, merci, Francois. Merci, Veronica. Merci, Beth. Merci, Dave. Merci, Dave. Italian. Merci, Beth. Merci, Veronica. Wow. See, we... Pas de tout. We did it. Yeah. We did it. And um, yeah, I think we're out of time. Closing thoughts. I got none. Uh, that was a good one. And go, yeah. Habs go tomorrow night. Yeah, for go fuck's Habs sake, go. it's the Bruins go tomorrow. Habs for go. fuck's sake! Oh Bergeron's my out. God, Bergeron's Yay. out! Yay! Okay. Oh. That's it. Yeah, he gets back. Over. Party time's over. Oh God! Get to work. All right. Get to work things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are we fading out? Bye. <laughs>